This morning, we have a guest speaker with us, someone we've known for a long time at this church. He served 18 years faithfully with the Polk County Jail Ministries. I asked him what I could say about him, and he said, servant of God, or something like that. And I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was perfect. A man after God's heart wants God to be exalted. And so, Jerry... You want to come on up here? I'm going to pray for Jerry before we get started. I need it, so Amen. pray on me, please. Amen. Father, I pray that you would give your servant the words to speak this morning. I pray that you would open the hearts and minds of the people here, and that we would listen, that we would love, and that we would follow you. Bless him now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Well, here we are. Boy, this is early. Amen. Inmates don't get up this early. I'm just teasing. Hey, I've been at the jail now 18 years uh, this June coming up, so 17 and a half to be exact. Your church um, has been so supportive from the very beginning, and so uh, I was so very thankful for that because when you first get started in ministry as a missionary, you're in a sense, if you're going to the foreign field, you're doing deputation, and then you gather all your resources, and then you get to go. And uh, I, was, I was just the opposite. I got engaged, and then I had to raise resources. Does that make sense? So, but I'm always doing deputation, and I just want to thank you so much, because your prayers um, are, first of all, eternal, but second of all, impactful, because without your prayers, things don't go on. Things don't go on at the jail. We have 21 volunteers. Uh, without them, we could, we could not do the ministry. Let me, let me give you an idea of the size of this ministry. I call it a God-sized assignment. It's seven acres under one roof. My display out there shows the whole jail. The jail is strategically placed, I believe, in the heart of God because it's right where 35 and 80 meet. It's the center of America. How about that? That's how big a deal this ministry is, not because of me or the volunteers, but because Jesus Christ is in every cell, in every place in that place, looking for somebody who would be desperate enough to cry out to him instead of drugs, alcohol, or sex. Amen? And uh, so many of them are being rescued and coming to jail. They, 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 that's not their plan, to come to jail. And when they get to jail, they all have the same prayer. God, get me out of here, right? But the point is, is that God's in the business of taking people that are broken and open and doing something with them. See, that's what he wants for all of us as well. You're not in jail, but God still wants you to be broken and open. Amen? Because if you're not, as a believer, you will not grow. You will not grow. Thus, you will not have a testimony that's relevant to the people around you. And that's what God has wanting to do in your life. Um, and so we've been there 18 years. During COVID, and I hate to bring that up, but it's a fact that all of my uh, volunteers were restricted for two years. And then I was alone doing ministry, sort of like Paul. He's out and about doing ministry, and then all of a sudden he's in prison, and he's all alone in a sense, but then God brings brothers or sisters alongside. But my secretary could stay, and for the most part, that was it. So I could get some help, but for the most part, it was visiting inmates, not face-to-face -face any longer, although commissary could still go in. That means that's how they get their trinkets, right, their food and all that. And uh, mental, health could, mental health could go in, but not, not, not chaplain. So for two years, we had monitor visits up front, and those had to be scheduled a day in advance. So you guys don't understand, but somebody might come to jail, and they might only stay for 24 hours, and all of a sudden, they have an urgency or a need to see someone. 
meaning they need to see someone that points them to Christ, and they can't because I've got 24-hour window that I've got to wait on. So that was frustrating as well. But in the midst of all that, God was still saving people and changing people. Some of you are skeptics. Oh, sure, these people receive Christ, they fake it to make it, and they really don't care. Well, that's true even in church. People are faking it to make it, to get through. And the point of the matter is, is that many of them are sincere and their lives radically change. In fact, some of them read their Bibles more than you ever will. In fact, one inmate that my wife is, is uh, discipling right now, Heather, uh, she read her Bible through three times in six months while she was at the jail. So these people are serious about coming to Bible study, and when they do, the volunteers are there to lead them. But many of them have read their Bibles and have many questions or have questions about what they're sharing because, hey, this doesn't go in line with the Scripture. Isn't that good? And so I'm so excited about that. So during the COVID period, you got an idea of what took place, and uh, then they finally all came back last April, and so ministry sort of picked up. But here's the change. Instead of us being able to go into the housing units, the housing unit's about two times the size of this auditorium, and there's 64 inmates in that auditorium or in that uh, housing unit. And we were before COVID able to go in and, and do Bible studies. And because of that, going into the unit, we could have as many as 64 in the Bible study. Isn't that awesome? They all could come if they wanted to. But now, since COVID happened, then basically they flip-flopped it. NA and AA and other programs are able to go into the units with the inmates, but not, not the chaplain's ministry or not the ministry any longer. We're out in the classrooms with only a minimum of 12 that can attend. So completely changed. So could you guys pray about changing that? Number one. Number two, could you pray that we could cover the whole jail? Right now we're only on the north end. Because of COVID, then there's quarantine on the south end of the jail. Now let me give you an idea. There's 16 of these housing units two times the size of this auditorium. 16, and we can only go into eight. Are you with me on this? I want you to follow real closely because I want you to pray that all 16 could, could be a part of the ministry again. Can you do that? Because obviously the enemy has wanted to curtail a lot of what's going on. Now, you, you have to understand that so many of those that are on the outside doing their thing are really close to dying because of all the dirty drugs. The drugs are now laced with all kinds of things, fentanyl and all kinds of things. So when they take their drugs now, they are on the edge of death. Many of them don't survive and they overdose. That's sort of rampant right now. But here's the thing. Most of them say, I, I'm so tired. I'm sick and tired of this life that I'm living. God, if you're real, could you do something in my life, and lots of them will testify that within 24 hours they're arrested and brought to Polk County Jail. If you have a loved one that is in a lot of things that they shouldn't be and you're really concerned, could you pray that they come and visit me in jail? And I'm serious about that. Please don't enable them. Please don't keep feeding them. But what I mean is feeding their addictions by enabling them. But pray that God brings them to the end of themselves. They come to jail and they hear the gospel. Is that fair? Because I'll tell you, I started in prison. <laughs> and I was at Newton Prison for three and a half years that prepared me for the ministry at the jail. Um, God called me to this ministry. He specifically said, I want you to be the chaplain. And then it was amazing to watch him work the doors to open for me to have that happen. And so we're so honored to be there. Um, we currently are in need of um, 
an administrative assistant, a secretary. Mine resigned 21st of December, and uh, she had many things that she wanted to pursue for Christ, and so uh, this freed her up to do that. She was wonderful, godly, extremely gifted, and we need someone in that role, which I call secretary. That's probably not current with the thing, but Anyway, that's what our greater need is. We also, down the line, will need an assistant chaplain that would possibly take over uh, this mess right here and help me out so much uh, with that. So if those things could be out in front of you as prayer, that would be very important because I want to maximize this prayer pact, right? You guys can pray, and then the gates of heaven will open. So... um, What I'd like you to do is to make sure you have a scripture sheet there on the end of the aisles there. And if you don't have a scripture sheet, could you raise your hand? Because I really want you engaged, okay? I don't want anyone sleeping or snoring on me. It will really agitate your neighbor, all right? And so what we want to talk about this morning is probably very crucial to all of our lives. And that is to testify or give testimony. Every day, every day in the jail, I share my testimony with an inmate. And it goes similar to this. I was 19 years old, and I was empty inside. I had no meaning, no purpose, or direction. I had my whole life ahead of me, but I was empty. So I figured in myself, because I was raised in church, not a good church, because not all churches are good, not all restaurants are good, amen? Not all churches are good. So this church I was raised in never shared the gospel, never never even believed the Bible, really. Quite frankly, it was a social group. But anyway, my parents were there for 50-some years, and God did amazing work in my parents to move them and get them in a good church and all of that. So irregardless of that, back to my story. I'm I'm empty inside. My heart's empty. So I checked off the God box because I figured I had him in, in in my back pocket. Are you with me? And so I'm empty inside, so I'm thinking, well, it must not be this religious thing that will be the answer to the emptiness in my heart. It must be... Well, what would it be? So I looked around, and it seemed like these people that drank, oh, my goodness, when they got drunk, man, it seemed like their heart was full. That's how stupid we are, right? And so I thought, well, I'll just do that. So I I drank to get drunk and knew all the bars in town. Well, that didn't work. My heart was still empty when I woke up in the morning. Then the next thing I did was I checked out, and it seemed like those that used drugs, man, they, they had their heart full. Surely they had meaning and purpose and direction. Again, how stupid is that? Well, obviously, that didn't work. Then I tried all kinds of possessions and and material things, and that didn't work. Well, the thing is, is that strategically, God started bringing people along in my path that kept saying to me, Jerry, the reason you're empty inside is because you need Jesus Christ. You need a relationship with him. I had no idea it was about a relationship. I thought it was just religion. So that was foreign to me, and it seemed like God was so abstract. How could I have a relationship with him? So I just put him off. I just put him off. Well, eventually someone came into my path that instantly became a friend who was a Christian, and I started going to their church, and that church prayed for me, and that church basically reflected Christ, and so that one Friday night after walking out of a football game, I looked up into the space, and it seemed like it was so ordered and so, so, so organized that it seemed that God said to me, if I can order the universe, don't you think you, I can take care of your life? And at that point, I knew what I needed to do, and I understood that creation spoke of the glory of God because of the scriptures, but, but I knelt my head and I asked Jesus in my heart, and he changed me. He changed me. This is a part of my testimony. After getting saved, 
I was smoking two packs a day, and I thought, man, these are good. So I drop them before I go into church, take one up. I came out of church. I inhaled, and it was as though I had never smoked. Now, these inmates can identify with all this. Some of you might not, but that's okay. And so when I inhaled, it was as though I had never smoked before. And God spoke to me and said, why did you do that? I said, I love them, Lord. I love cigarettes. And he said, well, I love you more. And I've cleaned you up as though you've never smoked. I went home and threw a carton of cigarettes away. So at this point, I say to the inmates, where's your heart? Most all of them by this time are confirming with me what my problem was. They're empty inside. They'll say, I... I'm, I'm right, where you're at, right where you were at. I said, well, then you need Jesus Christ in your heart. You need to return from, repent and turn from your sins and follow him. And most do that. Most do that. It's, it's, not, it's not hard when the Holy Spirit goes before you. Are you with me? So that's a testimony that I share with them that's my testimony. Now, when you're on that monitor and those guys only have 20 minutes, they're pouring out 18 minutes to you about their trouble and their problems in their life. You got two minutes to share what I just shared with you. And oftentimes, that's, that's all it takes. So it doesn't, you don't, have to, you don't have to take hours to share your life with someone. But let me tell you, where, where did I learn to do that? Isn't it ironic? I was at a missions uh, opportunity to go to the Philippines and one of the training sessions they had us give our testimony and they said we would like you to give your testimony in four minutes or less so that's what we worked on isn't it isn't it amazing how God equips you for what is strategic because you don't have a lot of time you understand often to speak into someone's life this can happen at Walmart this can happen in your neighborhood this can happen in your in in whatever it is do you you follow with what I'm saying here and so these are what we want to talk about this morning. Hopefully you've got a sheet in front of you. But let me tell you how important this is to Jesus Christ. Can I read this to you real quickly? It says, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. I tell you the truth. Whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. And, and so God wants us to acknowledge him. Amen. <laughs> Now, not just acknowledge him when we got saved, but acknowledge him for what he's doing every day. Does that make sense? I, was, I, I came out of the kitchen this past week, and, um, and, and an attorney was waiting there that, that I, don't, I don't think she's a Christian. She just knows me from my years there. Really a sweet lady. And she said, Jerry, I need you to see one of my clients. He's in a whole lot of trouble. And I really think you could do him some good. Well, I said Jesus could do him some good, but... Yeah, I'll go see him, and, and I did. And God had been sowing strategically seeds in his life. He was so ripe and prepared. By the way, our, 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 our uh, newsletter that we, we came up with the very first month I started, because a missionary is no good without, without a newsletter, and, and the theme this year, the theme this year is the harvest is plentiful. The Lord laid that on my heart because it is so plentiful, folks. Jesus is coming. Do you believe that? Hey, man, he's coming. It's no joke. When Jesus says it, it's going to be done. And so this, this year, it's, it's focusing on that. Last year was the open doors because our volunteers were able to come back. So that was so strategic. God gave me that before they came back because that's what our prayers were, open doors, open doors. So anyway, you can grab one of these at my display. 
But it's so ironic that this, this guy was so prepared that he had, he, he had been uh, reading his Bible. He went to a, 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 a rehab center that, that was sort of faith-based. He had all these seeds, but Jesus was laying on his heart. That's what seeds do. They lay on the ground until they get in. Until they get in, there's, there's no fruit. Amen? I mean, it's like a seed from uh, the, the farmers planting corn. If it just laid on the surface of the ground, it would rot or go. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? It's got to get in. So I always show it like this, that it needs to go into the heart. And that's what he did. We shared for a while. I shared my testimony and he gave his heart to Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Boy, was he excited with tears running down his face. You understand God is at work there. God is at work there. Well, let us get into this real quickly because uh, we've only got so much time here. And I'm so excited to get a chance to talk. Amen. Because jail is pretty tight. Amen. So thank you guys for allowing me to be here. Well, I brought my toolbox because I want you to understand that God has a purpose for you. God is the toolbox. God's the toolbox. And he wants to use you like a tool. Now, this is good for loosening nuts, big nuts, right? Well, that's the way people are, aren't they? They're hard nuts to crack. Their hearts are hard and cold. Are they not? Mine was until Jesus began to soften it up. Here's the worst thing is when you have believers that go through something in their lives and then they get hard. That's not good. Amen? Here's how you avoid that. You give God thanks and praise for everything that comes your way. Amen? That's what Job had to do. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you understand? He lost 10 children. He lost all his property. He lost everything. How about you lining up with that? But here's how Job responded. In everything, give thanks, like Paul said. Amen? So important for us because we, God can't use hardened hearts. He couldn't use Israel. Oh my goodness, how sad. I hope you guys are reading through your Bible in a year. Oh, praise God, it's exciting to get to Exodus by now and to see they're out of Egypt. And what is he doing? Well, he's got hard nuts. It's interesting. Moses comes down from the mountain with the testimonies of God. The testimonies of God. You know what they were? The Ten Commandments. Written on stone. Jesus Christ in the Bible, has testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of who he is. Amen? I think that's precious. This book is about Jesus from front to back. Amen? And it's all testifying to how great he is and how he wants to work in you and me in spite of us being a mess. Well, are you wanting to be a tool? I hope you leave here this morning saying, Jesus, please use me as a tool. Well, any time that Jesus invades a life, that life is never the same. It's changed, like mine, with so smoking cigarettes, right? And then he started changing other things. See, he was working on the outside, and then now he's working on the inside where you can't see. But he is working on me to be like Jesus Christ. That's, that's an ever-present goal in our lives, ever-present, because that's what he wants. Everyone's story begins when they trust Christ, but that story never ends because the continued testimony goes on and on and on and on. Here's the key. You've got to tell someone what Jesus has done. 
And if he's not been doing something in your life, then you're missing this relationship that's real and vital in, in you. So let's share the scripture verse together. Can we read that out loud? Can we go back to the verse? Sorry about that. Let's read it out loud. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings, and I will not be ashamed. Let me tell you what, the greatest thing that, that confronts all of us is the wall of fear. <laughs> Don't worry about your fear, for he has overcome, amen? And he wants you to trust him fully in your life. Well, in a court of law, a person who witnesses a crime is asked to testify. I'm, I'm around this environment all the time. Most of the, most of the um, uh, frequent flyers I call inmates that have come back and come back and come back, and I'm so thankful they have because they're alive, right? But they all know about the legalities of everything. Well, someone who testifies is someone who's seen something, a crime, to what he has seen or heard. In the same way, God asks us to testify what he has seen or heard as a witness to his activities in our lives. What, what activities is he doing in your life? We do this by giving a testimony. In other words, we testify. To testify means to bear witness or to vouch or to affirm, right? For many Christians, it seems God is inactive, especially when you consider the silence of their life. They're just, they're quiet. I dare say the problem is not God's inactivity, but man's inactivity with God. In other words, we're not engaging with God. It's not God's problem. It's, it's my problem. I'm not engaging with him. I'm not, I'm not involving myself in him. I'm not having this intimacy with him where he will direct and guide me. It's interesting in Acts 1.8 it says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you then he will give you power to be my witnesses. Does that make sense? Where? Jerusalem where you live? Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. We hear this all the time at missions conferences, but the point is, and the most important part is, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, all power is given with you, given to you with that. And that's the key. The key is the Holy Spirit, because he will guide you and direct you and use you. That's what his job is, to reflect the light. Many of you maybe weren't out early this morning, but the moon was incredibly bright. It was awesome. And, and, it, and, and it was so amazing to me because I was thanking God as I walked how God uses the moon to help us understand as a church that we're to reflect the sun. We're to re the sun wasn't even up yet when I walked this morning and the moon was so bright because the sun still had its impact on its life, if you want to call the moon having life. You follow what I'm saying? Isn't it incredible that even in the darkest of times, we should shine brightest of all? The world has no way of getting out of their darkness because they're lost. But we are in the light. If we are fellowshipping with him, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and his blood cleanses us from all sins. Aren't you wanting to be like the moon and shine bright? I want to because he's coming soon and as his bride, I want to shine bright. I want to shine bright. Well, I dare say the problem is not our, God's inactivity, but our inactivity. Seeking a vital, growing relationship with him is the key to this. We have nothing to testify until, unless we daily develop our relationship through prayer, through the word, and importantly, the church and the body of Christ. In other words, it's so important that we are functioning together here, that we are spending time together, being encouraged in the Lord. Well, let's go into these first areas here that if I could... I want to share with you the following are examples of how God 
testifies about himself. I just want you to understand it. Let's start with God first. He's always the example, right? Number one here is this. The Holy Spirit himself testifies to Jesus Christ. How does he do that? He does it at his baptism. Isn't that that incredible? He does it at his birth with the the angels and the star and the wise men. All, All of those things. Do you understand? Jesus didn't come in silence or in or in um, some hidden corner. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll throw in this extra. But all the cults, all the cults, Mormons, Muslims, Jehovah Witnesses, all of their faith is based on something done with one person that no one can validate or verify. Are you with me? You guys should say amen to that. Because Jesus Christ is the only way. Amen. By the way, I have to serve all of those religions in the jail. But let me tell you what, I'm praying for them as I give them what they need because I have to do that to be there. The point is, is Jesus is bigger than what I give them. I've had many Muslims turn their Quran back in and say, I want a Bible because what I'm doing here, this is a mess. I've had a Mormon do the same who was a high priest. He came to Christ because he said, I've been watching all of these men that, that know the Lord. I, I, and, 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 I, and I know that my life's a mess. I'm, I'm, I'm in my church promoting sobriety. That means no alcohol. And I, I'm drunk every night. I need Jesus Christ. So I, we, we saw him come to know the Lord. I've had inmates share their faith with others. I've had an inmate see a man disgruntled and dis- discouraged and say, what's going on? He said, well, he said, I'm going to court and I'm looking at 25 years and the, and the man says, well, I'm a Christian. Do you mind if I pray? And he says, well, I'm an atheist. I don't care if you pray. <laughs> I don't care if you pray. Go ahead if it makes you feel better. And he prayed for that man that God would give him grace and mercy and show him kindness. He came back into the pod at the end of the day after going to court, ran to that man and said, I don't know what you've got, but I want it. Because my charges were totally dismissed. And he led him to Christ. Hey, listen, folks. We can reach out with the seeds of faith. When people are distraught and they come to you and they share their hearts and they ask you to pray, don't say, well, we'll sure be praying for you. Pray for them right there. I don't care if you're Walmart, Hy-Vee, pray for them right there. Amen. So anyway, so I don't mean to get off on all these stories, but man, again, I'm out of jail and you guys have been kind enough to listen. Amen. (laughs) I'm, I'm used to... I'm used to lockdown. Anyway, praise God. So Jesus Christ was testified about. Number two, the Spirit himself testifies by, by, by the Spirit, with our spirit. Proof that we're the children of God. In other words, how I know I am is there's fruit. How I know I, I am is because I pray. How I know I am is because I'm in the Word. Does everyone make sense with that? Because if you're not, you'll be really basically frustrated with all that. You won't do it at all. Number three, God himself testifies that Jesus is the son of God. John 1.34, on the back of your sheet are all these scriptures. Can you turn to that 134? It's not on there. So, oh yeah, it is. John 1.34. Can you read it with me? I have seen and I testify that this is the son of God. I don't know about you, but here... My kids had a hard time as they were growing up. They said, Dad, I know that you believe, and I, I don't understand why. And I always tell them, well, it's because the ones who verified it and saw him and were with him tells me 
what he was about. I trust what God did in the people who had, were eyewitnesses of it all. They testified to it. Isn't that exciting? They testified so that we would believe. So I don't have any problems in believing the word of God because these people lived with Jesus and saw him do what he did. Number four, the scriptures testify about Jesus Christ. They point and prove that he is the word of God. Look at John 5, 39. You diligently study the scriptures because you think by them you possess, possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. You have to understand that it's more personal than just some writing on a, in a book. It's, it's God's written word for our hearts. For our hearts. Let's move on. Number five, God testifies by signs, like the sign of Jonah. What was the sign of Jonah? He was in the fish three days and three nights. Jesus in the grave, three days. You understand that signs of pointing to Christ throughout the whole Bible, quite frankly, but this was just one. God gives tangible evidence to his existence. That's his creation. That's what spoke to me. That's Romans chapter 1. We are all without excuse because even the glory of God is revealed in the moon and in the sun. Amen. The Father's work, number six. This is so key. The Father's work testifies to the Father sending Jesus. God's word says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. The point of the matter is, is that the Father's work for a sinful man was so great that he called it love. I loved you so much that I gave you my best. It's no wonder people go to hell because they've rejected the gift. Isn't that amazing? The gift is available if we just receive and believe. And yet our pride, oh, no way, I'll do it myself. Good luck. The word of God is to believe in the one in whom he has sent. Listen, there's only one way and it's Jesus Christ. We live in a day where everybody compromises. Everybody's going to heaven. No, they aren't. That's why you've sent me to the jail and to the sheriff's office. There's 650 sheriff's staff. That I'm also their chaplain as well, and they've got six different locations. And so I try to juggle that with the inmates, 1,100 of them. So it's 1,800 people that we're ministering to. That's why we need volunteers. So let's move to the second part. How are we to testify? There's five ways to testify, and we get this all from 1 John 1 through 4. It says this. Read it with me, will you, on the back there? It says, that which was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning. Are you there now with me? That which was from the beginning we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands, have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and now has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. Man, it isn't anymore. It's, it's the greatest place to be saved. Amen. 
It should bring you great joy to know that you're right with God. That you're going to be with God forever. That we have an eternal inheritance with Christ. Whatever he has, he's given to us. Does that make sense? Great joy in spite of what we go through because life is hard. Life is full of trouble. I call it the foursome. The the, the terrible foursome. Here it is. It's adversity, affliction, trouble, and suffering. Man, oh man, you don't want to open the closet and wear any of them, right? But you know what? God works the greatest works through those four blessings. Those four blessings. So let's move on. So we're just going to fill in the blanks from this first John passage. What we have heard and from what we are getting from our, the living word, the living word, the living word of God. It's active and, and, and living and sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews tells us. What we have seen with our eyes. Now this is what John witnessed to and he testified to us. That's what I just said earlier. What we have seen with our eyes, John saw Jesus with his eyes and he saw God's work. God's work of taking Zacchaeus up in the tree and Jesus saying, come down here little man. Today is your day of salvation. Today you will meet the Lord. He opened his home and many people got res- responded to the gospel. Jesus at the well with the woman at the well who had seven men that she lived with and none were her husband. He spoke life into her and she ran back to this community and the Samaritan community and shared what what Jesus had done. And they all came out and many believed. Do you see the impact of her testimony? Look at what Jesus did because he was doing the works of God. What we have touched with our hands concerning the body of Christ. John touched him. John was the apostle, the disciple that laid his head on his chest when Jesus said, who next puts the bread into the cup is the one who will deny me. Do you understand? John was intimate with Christ. John understood the intimacy and spent his time grasping more of the truth while he could. So did Mary and Martha. Mary did. Martha was busy. Well, what we proclaim to speak, giving testimony of God's activity in our lives... Just like I told you about this attorney, that's a testimony. I've got testimonies about, um, I, I, I frequently want a chicken, a rotisserie chicken from Fairway, and I'm praying all the way close to closing time that they'd have a chicken. I have a favorite place to go. I'm not going to tell you because I want some chicken, amen? Uh, you guys will all hit it before I do. But anyway, the, the point is, is that's watching God work in my life through answered prayer. You guys might think it's silly, but let me tell you, if you don't use your faith, you'll lose your faith. And here's the thing, I'm talking about faith in activity, not faith in Christ. But what I'm saying here is, is that we, we spontaneously, as you activate faith and I activate faith, that sharpens us and strengthens our faith. Amen? That's why I come to be with the body of Christ. How has God been working in your life? Wow, how did he answer that prayer? That builds my faith, and that's what it's about, you see. Well, last of all, what we write down or record. I, I have a journal. I write every day. I wrote down, Father, please use me this morning at Westchester. Please, please fill me and use me. 
I hope he is. I pray that he is. I want to be a tool, amen, because there could be some hard nuts in here this morning, amen. What is the problem? Here's the problem. Lack of daily connection with God through the word of prayer, through the word and or prayer. Colossians 3, 16. Can you read that with me real quickly? It says this, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. Hey, I was doing a Bible study last week. I got to tell you this testimony. It's so, it's so funny. So these inmates are in class with me, and we're going through the, the one another's of Scripture. And so there was a list at the top of this discipleship material I'm using. And uh, one of the first words was exhort. Exhort one another, you know. Uh, give to one another. I mean, there's all kinds of one another's, right? The one another scripture. And this inmate, before we started reading the list, he, he, he was reading the first one, and he says, well, the first one is to extort one another. <laughs> oh, we couldn't stop laughing. And if you guys have to ask about that later, okay, we can help you. <laughs> Number two, not dealing, not dealing with sin and, and confessing it. We... we Believers, we cannot let sin reside or take its time in us because it will erode your walk with Christ. You might think you're managing it, but as soon as you crack the door, it's come in full force and its job is to take over your life. I've learned that from inmates and for what they started with. It was just one sip of alcohol or one... Do you follow what I'm saying? And, and sin doesn't mess with you. It, it's here to take over your life. And so daily, moment, actually moment by moment, you have to inhale the Holy Spirit, exhale sin. Amen. I mean, that's the way it goes because our mind drifts, our thoughts drift, our attitudes drift, right? Especially things that are in our minds. It's, it, you know, the scripture says guard your hearts, which is your mind as well. Guard it because it's the wellspring of life. And it's interesting how people can hurt us or people can, 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 can uh, we can have loss in our life. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that can really damage us or, or we, we've succumbed to temptation because we've fed our mind with a lack of contentment, those kinds of things. So let's, let's go on, not dealing with sin and confessing it, not obeying his commands to us when he speaks, John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and show myself to him. Those are good verses to memorize. Because you can tell me all day long, I love God, I love God. You don't love God unless you're obeying him. Everyone with me on that? Why would we obey him? Because we love him. You have to understand, it's because... It's because I love Patty that I'm not unfaithful to her. Does that make sense? But if I were unfaithful and someone caught me and I said to them, I really love Patty, you could say, no, you don't. Does that make sense, everybody? We are, number three, we are ashamed or we're cowards when it comes to sharing our love with Christ. Let me tell you, my wife will go out with me sometimes Sometimes when we run into former inmates all the time everywhere, and I always greet them with a hug, and I'll say, I'm so proud of you that you're out and doing well. 
because they have to be. They're not in jail, right? And, and then I always ask them, are you in the Word? Are you in, are, you, are you in a good church? Because all of those are essential for them to grow. You see, someone can't grow on their own, right? You can't grow on your own, and they can't. And so it's so important that we understand that, that we, we need to... Anyway, I was just going to tell you about how I talk about Patty a lot because I love her. And so, uh, so the inmates will say when they meet Patty, well, I know all about you because they've listened to the messages on Sunday and so forth. And so that, that's, that's, that's how that goes. So I'm not ashamed to talk about the one I love, and nor should we. Now, the next one, testify with power and conviction. Uh, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not sharing differently than what I share with the inmates. If you came to jail tomorrow and I saw you one-on-one, I'd be just as passionate as I am up here in front of you. Because this is life and death, amen? Uh, this is the real deal I'm changing my life. Because I don't even know where I would be if I had not accepted Christ. Have you ever thought about that? Where would you be if Jesus weren't in your heart? I don't know where I'd be, but it, I don't even want to think about it. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer Jerry who lives, but Christ who lives in Jerry. And the life that Jerry lives, he lives by faith in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. So, so my life is dead. My life is dead. The moment I raise it up and I try to you know, comfort it, manage it, do what's best for it, <laughs> oh boy, that's a wreck right there, amen? So, you need power and conviction that's real to you. Real to you. When we went on that mission trip to the Philippines, that's real. When you see the poverty level of, of that environment, it's incredible. And yet people with great poverty had great joy. That's what America's missing. Do you see in Revelation it says, you, are, you think you're rich, you think you're well-clothed, and Jesus says you are you are naked, you are poor. Here the point is, is that we have so much that we've neglected the one that brings the much. Does that make sense, everyone? I need to be in love with Jesus. How about you? Well, I better wrap up because I've already gone a minute over. Your testimony is powerful for God because it's your experience. There's no one who can take it from you. Do you understand? No one can take it from you. So experience him today experience him today in a way that is so real because here's what I'm telling you when it comes to Acts chapter 29 by the way there isn't Acts 29 there's only 28 you're writing chapter 29 you're writing chapter 29 I'm writing chapter 29 it's our testimony because the church continues to go until it's taken out so this morning, I hope some fire gets lit under your seat because we need to get out of the pew and we need to get out on the streets, amen? But it only comes because you love him, not because he forces you. He doesn't want you to do that. But here's the thing, Jesus is waiting for you. You're not waiting for him. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so very much for everyone here this morning. Thank you for your Holy Spirit revealing hearts of each of us. I pray, Father, that you would take us as your vessels and use us as tools. And here's the reason why, because of your Holy Spirit's power. I pray, Father, that you would energize the church of Jesus Christ before your return, 
that we would see a harvest field that's ripe, reaped for your glory, O oh Lord. Thank you so much for this church and their prayers, their support. Thank you for every individual who's come to the front lines with us because of their powerful prayers, because of their sacrifice. Father, I thank you that this church has taken on this vision of what can be done in the Polk County Jail. We love you, Jesus Christ. You are a powerful God. Nothing is impossible with you, starting with us. In Christ's name, amen.